0: Welcome to The Elephant on the Couch, where we're finally addressing what makes us uncomfortable. This is a judgment-free space designed to finally help the elephant in the room get on the couch and start the conversation. So join us. Let's get that elephant on the couch and let's get uncomfortable. Hey everyone, welcome back to The Elephant on the Couch. I am your host, Tanya. I am your co-host, Dulce. And today we have our First, First ever guest on the podcast. I am so excited
1: and hey. happy. Birthday. Hey.
0: Hey. <laughs> so this is Louise. Louise, I'll let you introduce yourself to our listeners. Hey,
1: so, uh, my name is Louise. I am uh, currently a, a therapist working in the social services realm. I currently specialize in working with. Traumatized youth. Um, I am a certified um, sex offender treatment provider. Also working with individuals who struggle with sexual behavior problems. Um, I am also trained again in trauma and uh, LGBT affirmative counseling. I've been in the field for about eleven years now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I uh, too, am also a resident, a native of Arizona. I've been living in Phoenix. Arizona since about 2005 born and raised in Yuma Arizona so
2: shout out (laughs) you guys are so annoying (laughs)
1: Um, you know um, and just a lot of Arizona pride went to ASU both for undergrad and grad school and just happy to be here happy to be with these ladies and serving the community Aww. Yay!
0: We're so happy to have you. And that, that was such a good introduction. Can was. I just say, like, I was like, like, "Dang, he has it down." I know. <laughs> <laughs> you have that down, like, like you do this often. Like, you just go through live, like, throwing your little presentation on,
1: on your I amazingness. Well, I would say this is like one's happy away from public speaking, so I am a little nervous, but I'll work with you as best I can. About.
0: Yes, and we appreciate you being <clears throat> willing to be vulnerable with us and putting yourself out there to be on record about your
1: It's okay. We only have opinion, like six listeners.
0: So <laughs> with six people, worry. but hey, six people are listening to what you have to say. <laughs> but that's, but that's how, we, how, how Luis and I met, because I do know Luis personally, I mean, in a professional level. Mm-hmm. That's how we met in the behavioral health field. We worked mm-hmm. together. That's All how we time. met. Yeah. Well, All up. of us. Yeah a full of therapists.
1: It's a very small world when you really look at it. It's
0: interesting. But anyways, <laughs> so how are you doing, uh Louise? We started this thing last episode that we want to do a little quick, quick check-in. check-in because things are going on in the world. I
2: passed for my quick
0: check-in today. <laughs> so we'll start with you, Louise, since you're the guest. How are you doing? Little quick How are you really doing?
1: I mean, truth be told, I think times are tough. I think that there is a lot of division in general. And I know that probably sounds redundant, but I think, you know, it's just a lot of high tensions right now. A lot of people voicing their views and a lot of people really kind of just kind of finding themselves and coming into their beliefs. So, a lot of good, you know, with, you know, I guess we could call it, you know, therapeutic confrontation or tension. Sometimes it's needed for growth, mm-hmm. you know, yep. even, even for us, you know, you know, living in these times. Um, yeah. There's been a lot of struggle. I mean, you know, with the pandemic and just, you know, a lot of social change, but I will say on the flip side, one thing that I am happy about is the most recent ruling that would grant federal protections for LGBTQIA uh, individuals. Ooh. So that is something that has always been back and forth, a lot of infighting between, you know, city government, local government, the state doing their thing. So it's it, it's good to know that it can finally be treated as an individual equally in this country um, across all 50 states. So I think there was definitely something good that came out of this last week.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear mm-hmm. you. And, mm-hmm. I, and I think that is an awesome step. Yeah, there yeah. are good steps happening. Mm-hmm.
0: And it's important to to acknowledge this baby steps that again sometimes it's pretty easy to fall into like well finally but mm-hmm. acknowledge that little mm-hmm. celebrations and the baby steps mm-hmm. and the small accomplishments we we gotta also focus on that because if not then we get into this mindset of always just being negative I mean, yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah how I, are
0: you doing i'm doing okay oh my god are you <laughs> I know I said last week that I wanted to be longer
2: going to say that ever more intentional about your hair every time you say, okay, but
0: this week it's been better for me. I feel like I mentioned last week, I'm slowly coming out of some personal struggles uh, with my health. So slowly that, um, that light at the end of the tunnel keeps getting bigger and brighter. So that makes me feel better. I'm excited about having Luis today um, in our, in our podcast. I'm excited about this conversation. So I'm in a good space today. I can say that genuinely. I feel good.
2: See, mm-hmm. you should have just said, I'm in a good space instead of, mm-hmm. I'm okay. I am working on it, Dulce. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm a hot mess today, to be honest. It's been, um, personally, I have been going through a lot of changes. I said that in the last episode. By the way, guys, it got worse. <laughs> um, but i that was my nervous laugh. Um, but I think we're heading in the right direction again. I think uncomfortability pushes you to mm-hmm. reevaluate everything that's happening, and so I think I'm in a place where I'm in the space of the shifting. Mm-hmm. When you're shifting, you're not really like anywhere stable, your mm-hmm. feet are like moving, mm-hmm. literally, cannot stand right. straight, and so that's where I'm at now, like trying to balance everything out. But, but I <sighs> I have an amazing support system of loved ones and smart people that I'm blessed that who love me unconditionally. And I'm not counting my kid cause that's cheating. I'm talking about adults that choose to love me unconditionally. By choice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I, I have to count my blessings. So I'm, I'm, I'm in an uncomfortable space, okay. but I'm getting, I'm getting to a good place.
1: Well, they say uncomfort um, brings growth. And I think that we can all say that we've experienced that in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, growing pains, right? I think mm-hmm. I said that in the last episode
1: too. Yes.
2: Mm-hmm. I make uh,
0: I, I saw something online or heard this about how that's just life, like those ups and downs. And I can't remember where I heard it to give credit to that person, but they said that some, you know, like when you're in the hospital bed and the little dick, tit- Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's the up and downs. That's life. And the moment that line goes flat, you're dead. You're dead. (laughs) Right? So that is life. Those ups and downs let you know that you're alive, that you're living, and that you're doing life in a human way. Yeah. We all go through it, like Luis said. Mm -hmm. So
2: we are going to get through this, all of us together. Well, I think what Luis brought up to the table was a really good segue to introduce our topic. Mm -hmm. You know, that... um, federally um, LGBTQ members of that community, our community, um, now we're protected by law mm-hmm. um, if we're fired or anything due to discrimination. And our um, theme, topic. this <laughs> topic, this episode <laughs> is actually LGBTQ+. plus. Um, kind of really acknowledging that huge elephant. Mm-hmm. In the room, specifically for Latino communities, yeah. and really diving deep into what, what it is. I think one of the things that we learned with the uh, racism episodes, because we did two episodes on that, is that we really need a member of that community to kind of come in and bring some insights. Um, and that's why you're here, Luis, because I think you are such an important piece to the advocacy of this mm-hmm. Group and just your knowledge and how active you are. I mean, you you baffled me right now that you were giving all of your experience, and so I think it's important that we bring people who are actively in the fight, who are doing these things, to really educate us in the
0: front lines. In the
2: front lines, right, rather than us really acknowledging our own. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. LGBTQ plus 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 June is Pride Month. Yes, too. Dude, I like I. I'm so sad about COVID and not being able to have like all of the awesome celebrations that Mm -hmm. happen. Like I, I love attending them, and we haven't been able to do any of
1: that. I think I think one of the beauties about this Pride Month, even though it is unconventional, because obviously you know we're not. We're not able to be out there celebrating. There's been a lot of just oppressed people coming together. And I think that's been a struggle for so long is that everyone gets so caught up on their needs and their communities problems. And we don't always want to work together. You know, we're seeing, I can't believe we completely forgot to mention, you know, even like, you know, the upholding of DACA and, you know, allowing those protections for people. Um, And the reason that I bring that up is not to, you know, be cliche and bring up everything about you know my Latino community, but a lot of, for one, DACA affects a lot of immigrants, mm-hmm. not not just not just Latino. And second of all, um, you if you really look at a lot of the strongest advocates of LGBT rights, uh, they are from minority communities. Um, so it's yeah. just it's, it's I mean even when you look back at the early days, I you know we're gonna go over that, but kind of like even Stonewall, it was the a lot of the black and brown, even trans folks who were really upping their game to, you know, revolutionize the way that we should be treated. So, yeah, I mean, everything's kind of just falling together. So, yeah, it's been one different Pride Month, but it's definitely been a prideful month, not to be too corny.
0: (laughs) Oh, I like that. I like that, though. Yeah. Because that that brings it right back to, like, the true meaning of, yes, the fun is there and the parades and yay – Bringing the communities together. But when we look at the actual deep meaning of Pride Month, it, it is about this, what we're seeing right now. Yes. What COVID is forcing us to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so let's start. I guess a good place to start would be since we are introducing the, the topic as LGBTQ, I think we can start right there with the very basics of what that means LGBTQ, literally what
2: the letters. words mean. The letters?
0: write the letters because believe it or not 2020 I I still get people sometimes asking like wait which one what does that one mean and how many letters are there now and and Louise please feel free to jump in is this is it LGBTQ plus or is it LGBTQI plus
1: so it really varies because like you said it has changed like there are some people that will say LGB LGBTQ uh, GLBTQ um as uh, you know, Dulce was saying, it has really um, switched up a bit. So there are probably well over—I know for a fact, you know, twenty, twenty-five um, different. Uh, I don't want to say labels because they're not labels, but just kind of you know, allowing a space for someone. You know, so generally speaking, the more predominant would be like you know, the LGBTQ being lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, um, cool. and queer questioning or queer because i've heard both it can be questioning or queer and then there's the you know ia so just kind of moving along there's so many more so you know she was correct in saying that it is really in the grand scheme of things lgbtqia plus because you know the more we progress as a society the more we recognize that there's a lot of different ways to express gender and sexuality that are non-conforming you know
0: right and that in itself is progress, too. The fact that we are being flexible to keep adding letters I, if I needed like not to put people
2: in boxes. That's exactly what I was going to say. You mm-hmm. took the words right out of my mouth. The fact that he said allowing a space for people, like that really, oh, my heart warmed when he said that. Because I think we've, for years and years and years, centuries, I'll say, like, we've always been like, check the box of what you identify with. And it's not about checking boxes, it's about allowing a space for people to be like, Oh, there's another person like me that mm-hmm. is experiencing maybe something similar. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah. So
2: um
0: like Luis, like you said, so L and the LGBTQ is for lesbian or and gay. Then gay people, which Bisexual. those are typically well, let's let's define those a little bit for i mean we are making assumptions that people listening to this already know like oh you know what a gay person is you know what a lesbian person is right um Ooh. but i think in this space we want to bring that piece of education to not that it's like a powerpoint you're sitting at college learning about this but just like informational educational dynamic um so gay and lesbian would be
2: someone that's homosexual but i think homosexual. homosexual has like a uh they der- not derogatory but uh negative connotation. a negative connotation to it and and it doesn't it's kind of like those cold number thing like you don't mm. really you're dehumanizing the person into just like
1: a sexual decision yeah. correct me if i'm wrong please. i would agree i mean i think it it takes away like the humanity like it's kind of like when they label hispanics as hispanic like it kind of takes away like, like, the culture. You know what I mean? It takes away the culture. It takes away what we embrace. So it's kind of like that same thing. Like, it can be offensive, but it's probably not sensitive if I'm like, oh, like, how are you and your homosexual friends, you know, that just doesn't have the same ring. Um, Mm -hmm. But but gay and lesbian, I mean, putting it simply, it's as basic as it gets. (laughs) Uh, and it typically means that you're attracted to the same same sex sex attraction. Right? Mm Yeah. Um, yeah,
2: and I think it, it really creates, like, a space of of defining a person's, like, a lesbian woman is not a certain type of woman. It's like, you can be lesbian and be 25 different types of different, you know what I mean? It, 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 yeah. yeah, like, you, it, there's not, like, a stereotypical lesbian. There's not a stereotypical gay man. I mean, there is, but
1: when you but say is.
2: gay... You know what I mean? You're not yeah. talking about the stereotypical. You kind of say like any kind of person that fits in this space, I guess. I, I think I, that was like the first baby step of people recognizing
1: homosexuality. Yeah. Well, and I think a big thing that's changed about gay and lesbian, like the label, is that it's not as concrete as it used to be. You know what I mean? Like I think people were a little bit backwards in the sense that if you had a same-sex encounter one time, well, no, 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 you're gay. That's, you know what I mean? Even if you never engage in that sexual activity again, where now it's kind of allowing people to ascribe that label to themselves based on their own decision. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, mm. because even that is kind of fluid in its own way. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, because Which people- fluidity is
2: something we're going to talk about in a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's another term. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: so LGB, the B is for bisexual in What's the acronym. Up?
2: That's me. <laughs> that, that's Hi. <laughs> so bisexual, it means that you I, and I and I hate saying it like this because I feel like again, I'm like putting it in a box. Um, but there is definitely a place in, in bisexual is a lot more complicated. Oh, mm. and even saying that it feels uncomfortable. Um, but it just feels like it really doesn't fit in a box, so I can't I can't say I'm straight and I'm only attracted to females or that I'm only attracted to males. It's kind of like, uh, just depends how I'm doing and who the person so, is. <laughs> but, but, but is
1: that the that you say that because I think that with the new with the you know with the arrival of pansexual, pansexual in a way almost seems to fall under the same category as bisexual in a lot of ways, because... But... I, think, yeah. I mean, go ahead. No, I was going to say, because like, I think one of the biggest stigmas of bisexuality, which kind of left them left out by both sides, you know, like, individuals expressing their sexuality, are really, you know, stigmatized by both the heterosexual community and the homosexual community for a period of time. So I think we're now moving away from bisexuality being just um a cover for promiscuity or you know we were saying earlier like having fun um we're all they're like we're trying to take away the negative connotation of being bisexual if that makes sense yeah
2: it feels like um bisexual sometimes feels like it's a joke yes like oh you just want to go have fun and mm. do this and do that and then you're done and over with where like for me personally like bisexualism means being in a space where I can be very attracted to a male or I can be very attracted to a female where, and, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but pansexual kind of feels like I can be attracted to a gay man and I'm not attracted to a gay man. I'm not attracted oh. to, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Uh, uh, I don't know. It, it, and then we'll talk a little bit about that. Fluidity as we move along the episode, but like pansexual kind of for me, pansexual means like any you can be attracted to anything and anything, a transgender male,
0: right? A, yeah, and I when I
2: mean transgender male, I mean like breasts, or I don't know how to say it in English, in Spanish, is senos is like the right word, mm-hmm. not pecho, senos. So in English, I, I don't know how to say senos specifically, but breasts, mm-hmm. like female breasts, and then like male genitalia, a penis right like there's people that are attracted to the mixture of both in the transgender person i'm not attracted to that i'm attracted to either a female or a male
1: that's mm-hmm. it and i think the biggest difference between pansexuality is that it does focus on someone who is the primary focus is an attraction to person's a person's qualities versus their gender identity so that's mm. that that's the big caveat cuz like you were saying as a bisexual you may be genuinely attracted to a male and a female versus as pansexuality, you might be a heterosexual female who finds yourself really attracted emotionally to, you know, another female. It doesn't always have to be some extreme. So I guess the biggest difference is the the emotional attraction versus the physical attraction. And, right. there's, and there's nothing wrong with physical attraction because that's what makes us human. So I mean we don't wanna, you know, take away that quality either I, that is important i
2: think that's a huge piece i think when i when i've talked to more conservative thinking and i'm not saying conservative as in like fox news and republican that's not what i refer to when i say conservative i'm referring to people who are more conservative in this sense mm-hmm. who are like females were born females and they are supposed to be with males and males are born males like and from there's the a religious it, lens Whichever lens it might be, but just very conservative. When I when I've talked about this, I say like you do realize like humans are one of the s- smallest because it's not very common in all of the species in the world where we have sex for fun. Like mm-hmm. sex is a pleasurable act, mm-hmm. and and it and it connects us in a love realm where a lot of the species in the world have sex to reproduce right you know and so I know that and again correct me if I'm wrong but I know that dolphins and lions have sex for pleasure (laughs) and there there are like gay lions and dolphins you know what I mean like it's not just a human thing there are other species in the world where the the sexuality piece has to do with connection and pleasure Uh and so you can be attracted to a gender-specific person rather than mm-hmm. just their soul. I feel like pansexuals like I'm attracted to their soul, and I'm like, uh, they have boobs, and this, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, it, and it's right. for me, it's more uncomfortable to yeah. label myself as a pansexual mm-hmm. because I'm not in that space.
1: Right. But I mean, it sounds so- like you're genuinely not pansexual if you are attracted to certain qualities, you know, certain physical qualities, and you know what you like. Exactly. You. So that there is a, there is a clear difference, um, right? Um, and hey, like who wouldn't want to be like dolphins? They look like they're having a blast. So <laughs> <laughs> they're just always so happy. Like I can't keep from lying. I'm like.
0: going to go ahead
2: and answer like a dolphin sound.
1: <laughs> yeah, yes, like just, I want to go jump in the ocean, like. But, I, I, but but I think
2: I I really want to recognize that our brains are not as simple as people expect us to be. Like right. It's not black and white. It's not black our brains are not black and white like. I mean, even our podcast in itself shows you how complex our brain is that we want to acknowledge awkward things like even the idea of awkwardness, it's a complex thing in our brain, right. you know? And mm-hmm. so how can it awkwardness be something that our brain captures and then sexuality not Mm -hmm. you know it's I don't know so so then
0: just to wrap up for those for you guys listening bisexual would be the attraction to the more physical characteristics of the the other person versus gender of the gender of the person versus pansexual being more attracted to the soul and the emotional aspect of the connection with another person
1: correct that's why it's even though people joke that's why it's offensive when people are like oh you have sex with pans like no that's not cool like you're totally undermining you know (laughs) and i mean i i used to laugh at that because i thought it was funny but now that i understand like you know the humanity and you know like like you said like we educate ourselves with time now i'm like oh that's not very nice Mm -hmm. you know but but i mean you have to grow as a person because at first the concepts they seem so far and so you know foreign when it's new to you and this is coming from a homosexual man you know that i've continuously grown with my openness to you know new things and new ways to identify how to express yourself
0: right yeah because time keeps times keep changing and like what you said earlier about just providing a, a space for people to find themselves in and whatnot that is something that I sometimes hear, too, that people are like, oh, they added another letter? Like, I can't keep up anymore. I think it goes back to intent, like we were saying with the with the race episode, too, right? The fact that it's not an issue for you, and the only thing that it's an inconvenience for you is to, that you need to remember the acronym, and now they added a couple more letters. such an inconvenience to you, but you have no idea the the real struggles of people go through and why this is a big deal, right? Why, right. why is it important for people to have a letter, like Luis was saying, be, to find a, a space. space. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that was just like my two cents as far as like why this yeah. is important and for people sitting there or listening or, or, or if you've ever encountered anybody that says like, oh my God, they just keep adding letters and I just can't keep up. It's, it's whatever. They just oh. come up with something you new know, every year it seems they like. They yeah, yeah. Yes.
1: Mm-hmm. And my only, my only two cents that I want to add to that, and I know we're going to talk about cancel culture, is I think that when you want to be embraced by somebody in whatever you're doing or whatever your life endeavors are or choices, you have to be open to feedback and allowing people time for growth. So I think Mm that that's that's where a lot of this resentment comes from. And I know we're going to get there later, but Mm -hmm. you know, you're not going to risk. People are not going to be open-minded to something foreign. If the minute they question it or, you know what I mean? Or just want some more understanding and you're like, Oh, well I, you know, you either accept my pronoun or not, and then you, you know, cancel them out. That that creates a defensiveness. So I know I know we're gonna get there, but I think it's mm-hmm. it's a, it's a, it's a two way street. You know right. what I mean? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, um, and, and it's relevant to what we're talking about. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So mm-hmm. so the T. What does the T stand for? Just kind of like bringing
0: it all like right together. Back to the LGBT. So we're in the T. The T is for transgender, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that is the term used or for trans or trans.
1: Or, it's generally trans. Uh, Are trans plus, transgender. We don't like to say the word transgendered because transgendered kind of takes away from the humanity again. I know, like, that was something that I struggled with in the beginning as well. Like, there's so many ways to say the same thing. But when you really look at it, a person should be viewed, you know, if we want to use, you know, grammar. Like, you know, we should be you People should be referred to as nouns, not verbs. You know what I mean? So, transgendered. Mm -hmm. Can be perceived offensively, so we try not mm-hmm. we try not to, yeah. to say transgendered.
2: Okay, um, yeah. yeah. transgender. It's just words have meaning. Words have power. Like I think people sometimes think like I'm just kidding, like. <laughs> but it's like no, dude, that hurts. Mm-hmm. Like the words that you use have meaning, and being cautious about it only takes you like ten extra seconds of your verbiage. Right. And that mm-hmm.
0: willingness to learn that you were talking about, Louise, too—that it's a two-way street, and when it's genuinely coming from a place of ignorance—and I don't mean ignorance in a dismissive negative way, positive, in a negative yeah. way—but it's genuinely, I, I'm ignorant when it comes to this, and I don't know. But being open about learning educating yourself mm-hmm. and learning, and, and and allow that space, that safe space for the other p- person to help you. Again, not that it's their responsibility, but creating that conversation right to grow right so even this moment for me right now thank you Louis, for sharing that because i i had never thought about that in that in that light that you talked about about how the difference between a verb and an adjective right right how that's important and why it and, matters
2: and i think like keeping it trans even without the gender piece has to do because there's also transvesti right Louis? like correct me if i'm wrong uh but it just because you are dressing in a certain matter doesn't necessarily mean that you want to change your sexuality.
1: Well, a big piece about the word trans is that there's a lot of people who just... And I know that there's more to being transgender and transitioning than just, you know, hormones and the physicality, but there's a lot of people who, you know, like they... It's not a quick process for them, you know what I mean? Like their transition... Um, so we kind of get into that ugly space of people wanting to focus so much on genitalia and outward appearance. So that's why trans is a little bit more safe and more respectful because uh, mm-hmm. trans- transvesticism is more of a – it's it's a deviant behavior because, like, um, it has nothing to do with an, an individual wanting to be – or feeling the need to be another gender. It's them – uh, getting sexual pleasure in wearing the opposite sex or same-sex clothing you know what I mean so at that we in in mental health we would call that you know like a paraphilia um, so it, it's different and transvestite is was used in like the 50s 60s and 70s to be very derogatory um, towards trans individuals
2: okay so let me just get this clear How do I approach a person who is comfortable in being in between? Because I think when I think of transgender, I think of a male going to a transition to turn into a female, and then eventually they're a female. Or a female. Or a female in the transition turning into a male, right? And I've I've read amazing stories of children Mm -hmm. as young as the Uh, age of six that say... I don't want to. I feel like I was born on the wrong body, right? And we'll talk about that later. <laughs> but but I I get stuck because I know that there is a population of people who are very comfortable keeping their genitalia, um, whether it's vagina or penis, and then transforming the other the other part of their body, right? Like um, I. I <sighs> And I don't know if what I'm saying is offensive. And that's why I feel very uncomfortable asking this question. But again, this is a safe space. Um, there are males that are very comfortable keeping their penis, but also having breasts. Or there are females that take away their breasts and they keep their their vulvas or their vaginas, right? And so I, I want to get to a space where I'm like, how do I... Like what's the what's what the pronoun or what's right and and I think like the safe space is to ask like how do you want me to refer to you, um and even maybe me figuring out what it is that l- labels them is in itself offensive like and and that's me checking myself right now, but that wouldn't fall into the transgender T right or would it I, I mean I guess that's what kind of my question is.
1: It technically would, because I mean, and that's the thing about transgender, like as the formal label, it is a pretty wide ranging term for people and gender expression differs. Um, I know that when we think of gender expression, we think of like, you know, makeup, clothing, what we wear, um, but there is more to it. And I think one of the ways that has really helped me understand and be truly respectful, because I think it's it is confusing, you know what I mean? Because, like, you, as you slowly progress in understanding, you know, the delicate needs of that community, uh, because they are, their needs are separate from those of the, you know, the LG community. We have a lot of privilege, we do. And I think, you know, we'll highlight on that later. But I LGBT. think, um, that's a real L- part of that privilege, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but um, gosh, I totally, so one of the things that I've learned is that, if you truly understand what it means to have true consent, and I'm speaking about consent with regards to sexual activity, there's nothing really that difficult to understand about uh, like those who are trans, who are trans but not transitioning. You know what I mean? Because I think you hear a lot of people be like, "I don't understand, like, why does a man want to have sex with a?" Transitioning female, you know, with male genitalia. Well, that—that's kind of take. You know, you're reaching. Like you're kind of. You know what I mean? Because it's a slippery slope. But I think it's a good question right. to ask. Um, so I guess what I'm trying to say is, I mean, I think just trans in general, just a wide range of just expression, and as long as you have two consenting adults who know what they're yeah. getting at what they're getting into. They're true. And I know that sounds cliche, because that was the argument back in the day for, you know, homosexuality. But, you know, when people reach a level of true consent, it's their business. Yes, it's their business. business.
2: I'm no one to freaking sit here and say you shouldn't or should do that. That's not that's none of my business. Like whatever Mm -hmm. you do, do you boo boo, do you. And Mm -hmm. I and, and I'm no one to say you have these rights or you have those rights based on what you want to do in closed doors. Or like what I see. Right. Or yeah. what I see. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I guess the only, the question that I, that that I was trying to have, not so much the why, I, I mean, that's all on you. And I'm going to be respectful of your boundaries and that privacy setting. Like no heterosexual has to ever answer why you like males or why you like females. Like mm-hmm. You know, right. why do we have to do that with somebody who is not, filling those check boxes or whatever. But I guess what I was trying to ask was how can I be respectful when I talk about transgender? Because I don't want to say you're transgender and the person's like, no, dude, I'm okay being a dude. I just like having boobs, you know, or whatever, yeah. or vice well,
1: versa. Well, and then I think that's when you ask them, how do you want to identify, mm-hmm. you know, like, cause I've had a lot and I don't want to say that transgender Um, the movement became trendy, but every movement and revolution becomes trendy for a point in time where, you know, where it's all over social media. And even right now, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of criticism, like is this momentum with race going to last or was this just bad? And I know that that sounds awful, but I mean, it's, it's, it's a serious issue. But kind of going back, we're going back to what you were saying. I had a lot of friends who just express themselves in very, what is perceived, they're, they're very effeminate to the typical heterosexual. And a lot of people would ask them, like, oh, you know, are you transitioning? And they'd be like, no, like, why would you even ask me that? Like, like I like being a boy, even if I have long hair and have very perceived effeminate traits. Like, I'm not transgender. So I think just ask, It's you know, it's less offensive to ask if you do it in a respectful way. Because if you just make you just make an assumption, then that could be, you know, offensive. Um, yeah.
0: I was watching the documentary. I mean, speaking of trans and whatnot, um, Laverne Cox has this documentary on Netflix. I don't know your thoughts on that, but um, disclosure, it reminded me of what you were saying of how to approach that question and whatnot. Cause they were, they, they touched on that a little bit of how, you identify as trans, transgender, and then people start like wondering, like, so what do you do with your penis, or what did you do? Like, did you get a penis? Mm-hmm. Did you get a vagina? Like, um, and so they touched on that on the documentary. Yeah, do so, I
2: do I ask you that? Like, exactly. and that's that's the privilege piece, right? Like, you don't go up to a heterosexual person and be like, hey, dude, how how big is your penis? Like, you don't even ask those questions. You know, you don't ever. As a heterosexual person, because I filled that space, I fill that space 90% of the time, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't ever meet somebody and say, oh, how are you doing in your transition? or <laughs> <Yeah.
1: laughs> How are you but, doing
2: sexually? Like, that's not even a theme that you are supposed to talk. But then the minute that you identify as LGBTQ, people have all these questions. But I'm not saying life. that an intent is a negative intent, but but there's like a, oh... You're weird. Let me figure out what's wrong.
1: There's with There's
0: this taboo attached but, to it. Yes. I, still.
1: Yes, but I think you have to ask genuine questions if you mean well. Mm-hmm. Um. For, for example, if you were going to be like a therapist who is working with that community of, or you know, working with the uh the transgender community, you have to ask those hard questions or get educated because how can you best serve your client? How can you best help your best friend you know your friend if you don't understand their sexual health and sexual needs and we see and even though i know we're kind of stretching but you see that problem even amongst um cisgender heterosexual people like especially females like it's so taboo to talk about the vagina even in 2020 like i was i mean i was watching the documentary about how women even in this modern day and age it's taboo to talk about your own vagina still. You don't ask questions. You kind of learn from, you learn stuff from some of your friends. I mean, there are still people in this day and age who don't know how to use a tampon. You know, it's because of that taboo. So, I mean, you can kind of see how it overstretches to even other communities. So I, I I just view it as there's nothing wrong with asking because as long as your heart is in the right place and the intention is good, you know, then it is what it is.
2: yeah. Yeah, yeah and i think the intention is what the big bucks goes to yeah and then mm-hmm. the q the q stands
1: for queer
2: or questioning correct right correct what what's queer like just basic terms <laughs> help
0: us here <laughs> what is queer
1: so just um gender queer pretty much just means someone it doesn't even really define sexuality it just defines somebody whose gender identity is clearly outside of societal norms or the checkbox. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. pretty much. How's it? Every- from fluid? So fluid is a little more modern in the sense that it can shift or fluctuate. So mm-hmm. today, like, so gender fluid would be like, say, you were. I feel the- very manly. Yeah, or like someone who changes up their styles a lot. They're not they're they're secure in their sexuality. They're not. I had a friend, and she had you know beautiful long hair. And I think me even embracing the long hair is my own you know bias. (laughs) Yes, my own bias of beauty. But the minute she cut her hair, you know people were like, oh, like you know she got a lesbian haircut. She cut it all off. You know that did not bother her. She was not bothered by people's comments her family's comments about her expressing her style whereas genderqueer is somebody who is more consistently going against the mole like the social grain so like i I was sharing with you that i have a friend who has long hair sometimes wears you know feminine clothing or female clothing just because it fits his body better with you know his physique he's often labeled as trans or people just assume that he wants to be a woman when that is far from it, you know. Whereas I have another friend who embraces that same kind of style and non-conforming, you know, uh, male-female binary spectrum, but um, he is questioning, you know, am I leaning towards being trans? And, I mean, that's, you know his or hers own journey but you can kind of see queer is just more about rejecting social norms like I do not need to be a boy with short hair I do not need to be a girl with long hair you know Which things is, of that nature
2: you're explaining it right now and my brain's like trying to digest it like I'm just like whoa like am I that like have I filled that space before I had the side of my head shaved for about a year and then um, there was, like, when I was maybe, like, nine or ten, I had, like, the the hardcore, like, slicked-back ponytails. Like, to a point where, like, one time one of the neighbors came in in Mexico and was like, who's this boy? And my, my grandma's like, uh, it's Like, that's
1: what has been the entire time. Cool. And, and it sounds like that might be because the official definition of gender fluid is a term used by people whose identity shifts or fluctuates. Sometimes these individuals may identify or express themselves as more masculine on some days and more feminine on others. So
2: And I think and I think it feels that's fluid, right? The one that you just described. That's fluid. But it's it's a it's it feels a different space than bisexual. It just again, correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like LGB is very focused on your sexual attraction. Where queer, transgender, fluid—it just feels like it's feeling more of the space of your outer layer identity, your identity, your your gender expression, expression, rather than your sexual attraction. Is that
0: accurate?
2: Like it just feels like I I can probably feel both. I could definitely be gender fluid or gen or queer. And some days and then and then at the same time be bisexual, not pansexual, but bisexual. Mm-hmm. You know, it just it it's really cool to see the different sides of a person. I it for me as a therapist, like this excites me a lot because it's it just like, oh, my God, we have all these spaces for different things that sometimes you kind of feel trapped that you're not fitting in one of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: so Luis, and i don't know how you feel about i know you mentioned something about all the hype and the popular people and people in the media whatnot but uh from the show queer queer eye on netflix john Vanessa is his name i don't know dude i don't yes, want to do the way you too. do uh-huh um do you know who i'm talking about Luis? of
1: course
0: because <laughs> <laughs> so i remember he recently came out but i don't know i can't remember right now it's- Right now, at the top of my head, was it non-binary or was he gender queer? I'm not. I'm, the, I'm not. Year, I don't. I'm not to go into his business, but I'm bringing that up to segue into non-binary.
1: So non-binary essentially means uh, the, the true definition is a person who identifies as neither male nor female and sees themselves outside the gender kind of spectrum. So because binary just pretty much means. Black and white, male or female, yes or no. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So, uh, a non binary individual kind of sees themselves outside of that realm. Um, I yeah, and he might be. I, don't, I, 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 don't, I haven't learned that recent information about him, but I think if you were to just go based on his expression, he would definitely probably fall into gender queer, definitely like, you know, gender non conforming. Which yeah. which, I, which I think is very cool because a lot of people, like if you look at what people expect from like uh, homosexual males and females, gays and lesbians, they just assume that, you know, gay men are going to just be over the top and flamboyant. And there's nothing wrong with that, but they kind of make this preconceived notion. They assume that if you're a lesbian, that you're going to just dress like a boy and want to be a boy. And see, those are things that are, ascribe to us and there's nothing wrong with that but i mean those individuals that do embrace that side of their uh gender expression they would fall under the gender non-conforming and to me uh, the individuals in the lgbt community and i specifically note that portion um those that are gender non-conforming and uh queer i think they're the most strong and brave individuals of our community because they are th- probably the most secure in who they are and they're willing to go toe to toe with both sides of the spectrum because you're going to have people in your own community judging you you know about your expression and then you're going to have people in the other community such as you know a heteronormative world judging you and discriminating against you so to me you're more brave than I don't want to say like a conservative uh you know because I don't know, am I making sense? Like, you know, somebody- yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: no. I think, yeah. I think that in this space, and as we move forward to really talking about what this looks like, what it's like, like, there are layers of oppression in it that mm-hmm. we as heterosexual, quote unquote, typical LGB people are not able to like really get in these spaces because it's so non-conformative like it's so out of the norm that it's like you know like as you're talking about this and you're talking about getting oppression from your own community and also getting oppression from the quote-unquote outside community like to me that's like brain bewildering like it's just like I I can't even process it right now as you're talking about it but But I I, I think it's important to recognize because I, people don't recognize, like, as you were talking about this, I was thinking of Bad Bunny. Oh, yeah. I love Bad Bunny. Mm -hmm. But like the most recent video that he made, he's always used, you know, nails. He makes it very, and I think the most important record he brought up is like, I do whatever the fuck I want. I think that's the name of the record. Yo hago lo que me da la gana. Are
0: you a Bad Bunny fan, Luis?
1: You know, I really am, and I, oh, okay. I, in the beginning, I wasn't so much because I, I you know, I you don't really look into things who has time these days, and I kind of felt like he was maybe banking off a little bit of my community at first, but then once I kind of started learning about his philosophy and a lot of the meaning for some of the songs, even though it is kind of, like, superficial and fun and clubby, you know, like, he actually has a lot of meaning behind it, and he's mm-hmm. very supportive and respectful, of the lgbt community especially in puerto rico so yeah i'm a huge fan like i feel mm-hmm. like he's actually doing it and doing it for a good cause you know being bad himself, bunny babe, 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 babe. Yeah, and making damn good music i'm not gonna lie
2: i freaking love him ever since he started off his new album got me yeah yeah but yeah, no but yeah. you know what like at the beginning he was very macho yeah
1: like
2: he started off with trap he was womanizing people like I mean people because it was just a just a woman. Mm-hmm. Like it was very rape culture kind yeah, it's, of it's music. Confusing.
1: Yeah, it's very confusing. Like you're talking about objectifying, but like you're wearing earrings. Like, I don't know, I like this. Yeah, it
2: but I think I think it was a step he needed to take to get into that space. Like you kind of like have to fake that you are this like macho man in order to get into that space and then just open up and be like I do whatever the fuck I want I don't know I I I think he's very revolutionary and and his approach is crazy Mm -hmm. um but when he first started he really had to step into that space of being like the macho like I can turn women around and have it wasn't even reggaeton it was trap Mm yeah you know which is another level of fucked up sexuality like another level like blunt yeah like it's like blunt this is how i lick you know what and do this and turn around and
1: and he still is but i think for me he definitely brought back a lot of throwback like reggaeton so i i I miss those beats did you see my younger days
2: did you see that shirt of the woman that got killed in Puerto Rico for being transgender?
1: Yes, and that's what the video was actually released for. Yes. It was kind of in, a, in a memoriam of her. So I think for one, I was proud of him for that. And two, I was definitely disappointed in our community because a lot of my friends, my straight friends, even the girls were like, I don't know, like. I think that video was too much and he's doing the most. And, you know, it's like you're not comfortable with seeing somebody who you thought attractive dressing in drag. It's kind of what Ooh. that world now. to. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because a lot of my female friends are like, oh, I don't know. He's just he's doing too much. I'm like, yeah. I, I thought you know, he was you freaking hot, ap- man.
0: I appreciate you bringing that to the table, though, because right now listening to you, I don't think I ever take the time to look at things from that perspective of like how he was objectifying women or people in general at the beginning and this transition and what it means and why it's important. I just tend to focus more like, eh, I didn't like any of his music before. Now I do, because like you're saying, Luis is more like aligned with the like throwback, like daddy Yankee beginning of reggaeton. Like, what's his name? Tito el Bambino and all that. <laughs> like, yes, from, like, very, San Luis,
1: you know? <laughs> yeah, very 2005, Obregón. Yeah, walking the street. very, yeah. like,
0: high school time for me, like, when yes. reggaeton was, like, popping. Yes. It, and that's, to me, that's why I was like, oh, Bad Bunny, it sounds cool, makes me want to, like, move my body. I'm, I'm, I'm supporting it, you know? But I never look at it from that perspective of, like, so crazy. what I it look- does for the community, how it objectifies the community and things like that. And that's my privilege that I don't even bother thinking Remember about Remember we talked things. about this
2: le- in the last yeah. episode that I'm very like pro everything, pro this. I see everything with those lenses. Yeah. It's ridiculous. <laughs> like I'm super extra. Thing. So when mm-hmm. I hear a song, I'm, I'm right there with you, Luis. I'm like, oh, what does it mean? How does it help the community? And when he came out with his shirt, I was like, yo. I see mm-hmm. you because oh, I think that he had, I did really... recognize that. Yeah. yeah. But he, even in, in his, in his current work, even before he had that t-shirt on and everything, like he was very much coming from a very humble place, trying to shine light on poverty and his community and everything. And mm-hmm. for me, like, that's why I love them. Even though the songs were super oppressive.
1: Well, I think he was doing what you got to do to make money. I mean, you put it blunt, you got to... Mm-hmm. Right, which know. a lot
2: of artists have to kind of get in that space, right? Mm-hmm. And I think, like, I don't
1: know if you've had time to, like, watch the videography of his album, but yes. it's it's so good and it tells a story. And yes, it's okay to be woke and ratchet sometimes because I think that... Ratchet all, is needed at times. Sometimes you know we just have to... We can't, be, we can't be critical of everything. Sometimes we have to have a little bit of fun...
0: And balance. Because like I was Mm -hmm. saying last time on the the episode about race and racism, how we're such a fast paced uh, society. And we're just go, 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 go. And I think I mean, not to make excuses for myself, but like what we're saying about Bud Bunny and how I never really stopped to think about what it means and the deeper meaning of things and perspective and whatnot. It's it's it somehow contributes to that that I'm just like, I just listen to music just for the fun of it and in the rush and in between sessions and whatnot, but don't really slow down to really soaking in and take things into perspective and understand other people's side of things.
1: Yeah. And I mean, and it's like, you know, like I said, it's good to have that lens. You don't always have to be overly analytical of everything because sometimes music can be fun and poppy and simple. And sometimes it can have other meaning, you know, like art um, for the sake of but- art.
2: Mm-hmm. Rather than mm-hmm. art for the sake of social justice, mm-hmm. yeah. So, but anyway, I, but I think that's a good segue <laughs> to something else that
0: we wanted to make sure that we cover briefly. Like I always say, I feel like I find myself repeating this, but things that we talk about on this podcast or in this episodes, it's just the very surface of very deep, important issues that sometimes don't get acknowledged or don't get the. Uh, importance that they need the light that they need so again we're gonna very briefly touch on this but know and understand that this goes way deeper than that and there's a lot more information out there that is pretty available to anyone that wants to educate themselves on this uh subject but we did want to bring a little bit of awareness of just the history like you were saying dulce um what for the lgbtq movement right and just to put things into perspective of It is 2020, and it was, what? 2020's been so hard. June 15th, though. June 15th, 2020, was the first time that your boss couldn't fire you because of your sexual attraction to another human being. Which
2: blows my mind, by the way, because there is, I want to say one of our amendments, it says that there cannot be discrimination based on your religion, gender gender uh belief this i mean I, I can't think of it from the top of my head and i've been drinking why this entire wine this <laughs> entire episode but i it, it's in there but the way that it's interpreted doesn't protect everyone right yeah, you know yeah. you think of the bill of rights and you think of this like document that protects you from right but the, but the constitution
0: was, the constitution was in times where things are very black and white, and and things are were set yeah. in in that nature that it was very black and white, black and white. It was literally with white. That. <laughs> yes. No pun intended on that one. Absolutely, pun intended. Um, but but also a very. Just the, the the founders of this nation and how religion played a big big role into this and like you were saying in the well, last episode, right about like how itself, but... this comes from the Bible and the belief that white people are superior and whatnot. So everything has been developed throughout history with this layer of systematic oppression. Not only systematic oppression, but also mm-hmm. the religious beliefs in the Bible and whatnot, and a lot of that comes from that, right? Mm-hmm. The the, yeah. the, the the ability for people to have a space like you were saying, Louise, earlier and, and be acknowledged as human beings and have rights comes from that belief, like, to this day, people will argue with you in 2020 that the Bible says it's a man and a woman, right? So when things have been built in this country
2: from that perspective, from that foundation, that leaves a lot of and room think, for discrimination. And I think the space is not to say, like, I think the pieces. Is- When your belief system disables me from having basic rights, it's a problem.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Like, you mean to tell me I don't deserve to have, and and I don't like the word deserve, but I'm not, I don't have the right to hold a job because of my sexual preference. You know what I mean? Like, you're able to freely have right. sex all you want with your significant or other. Not even and the not sexual,
0: even... let alone the sexual piece of it, but the, the, the what we were talking about earlier with the pansexual
2: gender identity and gender
0: fluidity and whatnot, like that deeper connection. If I am emotionally connected to you in that level where it's more than the superficial physical aspect and the sexual aspect, and to think that that. can be a basis for me to not be able to have my career, my my dream career. Think about that.
1: Mm -hmm. Like how? Well, you have to look at the invasive nature of some of these past laws and thinking, because, I mean, we now know that, you know, people engage in multiple, you know, consensual sexual acts in their home, both males and females, you know, and there were laws against certain things. So just kind of, that's kind of what the ruling boiled down to, was that you know, we wouldn't care in theory, like, if a man was cheating on his wife, we wouldn't care who he's having sex with. So why do we care who this other man is having sex with? Like, why does that impact their ability to have a job? Um, So it was kind of, it was interesting, uh, just to kind of show, like, how how much the times are changing, is because this is a conservative court that actually ruled this. Uh, So it was kind of a blow to the current administration. Mm -hmm. Because it was it was not expect expected at all uh, in the grand scheme, and phase. and it
2: just it just um, brings a different like for me specifically because of my social justice craziness that I'm in. Like to me is like we talk about people losing rights because of their skin color. We're talking about people losing right because of where they want to put their genitalia. Like that's none of my freaking business, yo. Um, <laughs> Or people losing rights because of what they want to wear. People losing rights because of the makeup they wanna wear. Like it's like another level of fucked upness in my brain.
1: And there's still a lot of fighting to go. Like this this what this does right now is, you know, kind of protect you from discrimination. I can not have to worry about being denied employment and but there's still a lot of other areas that need to be mm-hmm. met. Um And I think – just imagine, like, being in a long-term relationship with somebody and say you couldn't get married for some – whatever reason. Could you imagine them being, like, on their deathbed and you not being able to be in the hospital because you're not family Mm -hmm. or you don't have that legal right? Um, And I think that a lot of, you know, cisgender heterosexual folks in the past kind of failed to see that because they've never had that – right of marriage taken away so i think when you kind of look at fundamental rights like that you start to understand why it's problematic you know what i mean um and the the greater impact it's more than just a job it's
2: kind of like the the Uh, and i know i keep bringing it back to race but i really kind of want to like get people in tune with the fact that racial biases go hand in hand with sexual biases i know that um Just a few weeks ago, a few days ago, I don't remember exactly the date, but it was love day. It was one of the June days and it had to do with biracial marriages. Back in the day, marrying a person from a different race was illegal. And just based on our skin color, I wasn't able to love another person because of their skin color. And that took away the fact that I couldn't legally because of this binding document in government put my taxes together get our household together like all these like health insurance health insurance right like Mm -hmm. and now it's legal and the same thing goes for sexuality right like just blows my mind like that we're not able to have the same right as other people just because of our sexual preference like that's that's crazy to me yeah
1: and I think kind of you know just kind of segueing to where we're at today so I don't I'm sure the listeners are like, where are they going with Bad Bunny and current state of affairs? But just the whole conversation that we had really being vulnerable, um, all of us really talking about, you know, what it means to be LGBTQ plus um, and really breaking down like those labels, having these conversations have really changed the dynamic um, in how society and how healthcare and how how just even gender expression is perceived by, you know, mental health professionals Um, real quick. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to point out that because of conversations like we had today, because these conversations need to happen at the micro level, they need to be happening in people's homes. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, in 1952, uh, um, homosexuality was considered um, deviant and it was listed as a sociopathic personality disturbance you that? Mm-hmm. sociopathic personality disturbance that in itself there is that's you know you said earlier you said words have meaning uh the next attempt to clean that up was in 1968 with the dsm-2 even then all they did was clean it up a little bit um and say that okay we've moved it to a mental disorder uh even after the riots in 1969 in Stonewall, um, people, members of the LGBT community, they were having these conversations. They were barging into the APA meetings and, you know, like the, the conventions that they would have. And that resulted in the dsm 3 But even that didn't remove the, the, the stigma because it was still, they just changed the diagnosis to sexual orientation disturbance. Like, what in mm-hmm. the world does that mean? So they pretty much change it to you're a sociopath, you're not a sociopath, but you have issues. Well now you have a sexual orientation disturbance. So pretty much like you wanna be gay, but you know it's not right. So your life is messed up. So clearly that yeah, takes and a it, lot of
2: time. <laughs> I think I it what you're mentioning right now with, with, with the DSM and that and that's there's this connotation and we talked about this in one of our first episodes with mental health that like mental health disorders have this connotation of being wrong mm-hmm. being negative being negative mm-hmm. being like something's wrong with you you know um when we talk about body body issues right mm-hmm. like high sense. blood pressure or mm-hmm. Uh, diabetes like there's something wrong with your body and it's evident because your organs are not functioning in the way that they should Mm -hmm. but when we talk about mental health disorders we talk about there's something wrong with you because your brain is not right and it and it feels like the brain is on a different pedestal than the rest of your body like Mm -hmm. oh you have no control over everything but you have control over the brain Mm -hmm. no you don't by the way yeah but there's this connotation and you as a mental health professional know that if a person comes up to you and they say I'm bipolar, there's like this huge weight on their shoulders, like something's wrong with me. I'm messed up. I need help. Mm -hmm. I cannot handle this. I'm, I'm this like horrible fucking person. And, 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 and we have to really, as mental health professionals, kind of jumping into the other side, right? Mm -hmm. Like we have to kind of teach them like, Mm yes, yes, your brain is not really creating the the chemicals that you need to get to the place where you're balanced, but that doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. It just means that your body's not reacting the right way. Right. And so we need to help it the end. But the fact that sexuality attraction, it, it, and I really want to get into the gender bread peace as we talk about this mm-hmm. but the the fact that it has that connotation of like something is wrong with you like you're chemical you're chemically imbalanced mm-hmm. to feel the way that you feel or to feel the attraction that you feel like that in itself brings so much shame mm-hmm. and dehumanization of that unchosen mm-hmm. predisposed piece of you yes mm-hmm. yes that you don't really have control over. Like, mm-hmm. I remember being five years old and coming home to my mom and saying like, mom, I really like this girl. She's so pretty. Like, dude, I was five years old. I didn't even understand attraction at that time. I was only fucking six, five. I was probably four or five years old, to be completely honest with you. Mm-hmm. And and feeling that, like... That's not something that I choose to feel at four years old. Like, yeah. it's just something that I mm-hmm. happens, yeah. you know? But it has nothing to do with my choice or with there's something being wrong with me or my chemi- my brain being chemically imbalanced. It's just, you know, there's it's just an attraction. The end.
0: Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was not until when? Was it 1970-something when they finally got rid of that on the DSM being so a after- mental health
1: diagnosis? Actually, no, it was later. And the reason that I jumped to the DSM was because of kind of piggybacking off of what Dulce was saying. So they tried to change it again in 1987, but they still kept trying to make it a point that if someone was not heterosexual that they were unhappy. So that's when people started to say, like, okay, so should people who are not white – be considered mentally ill because they're not happy that they're, you know, they're not white or, right. you know what I mean, like, and they, and they literally made those arguments. Should, like, short people be labeled with, uh, you know, a dysphoria? You know, because... Mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, like you said, I mean, you're telling somebody how to feel. So this was in 1986. In reality... It's not that long ago, homie. Right? They really did not change officially everything until about 1992. So wow. we and that's what I'm saying, like us having this conversation, even though it's lighthearted and fun, it's productive because in nineteen eighty six, the year I well, not like <laughs> the year I not to date yourself. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, we no, know that, you're twenty one, Luis, don't yeah, lie. Not that hard. <laughs> but it's just crazy to think that you know I was being born into a world that's still considered you know, orient, my orientation that I would soon find yeah. out to be problematic.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: well, and in it, your in your lifetime, you still have had people that advocated for you and make these changes and bring up these topics and conversations and and putting themselves out there. You could have been considered. You, I mean, you could be under that category of being mentally, mentally ill, Ill mm-hmm. just because of your preference. Mm-hmm. Like, think about that. In your lifetime, you could have already been. Sent to
2: a sent to a psychiatric place because of your choice of right. sexuality. Do you think I'm if there's like, any, anyone out there listening
0: to this, if you're like within the age group of like 30s,
2: think about that. And you're left You could have been born in in, in times well, where you're automatically labeled. Well, furthermore, I think of the AIDS epidemic over in like 1980 something. Like, mm-hmm. I I remember. It, and we were watching a stand-up comedian, like, just not even, like, a day ago. But she was talking about, like, how when we were in high school, because she's in her 30s, um, they were like, if you go to the club and somebody pokes you with a the needle, they're poking mm. you to get AIDS. That's why you shouldn't be in the club. Mm-hmm. Not that it stopped us from going to the club. We still went to the club. We were just very cautious that we weren't getting poked with needles. But I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about, like, current covid and the oppression that goes with marginalized, oppressed people and the ability to get that health care. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that LGBTQ plus community really knows and understands how horrible it is to have a pandemic and not being protected and the government not doing shit about it to protect you from being it. Being blamed, let alone not be protected, but being blamed. That was known as
0: the gay disease at the beginning. Yes, AIDS if you must, were gay, you're you getting labeled. AIDS, the gay disease. That's what you get from the wrath of God being
2: gay. Well, like
1: it's, it's interesting that you say that because when I teach sex ed for my uh, my teen boys, because I, I run a curriculum, you know they're always shocked to know that heterosexuals have most of the are accounting for most of new uh, HIV infections and hepatitis and syphilis because people have gotten. Complacent and comfortable in their privilege, right? Um, But look at that—we're
0: talking, (laughs) and it's just Gen what? Gen C, Gen X, the group, the group of kids the young people that you work with. It's it's the newer generation, the most recent one. Yet they still have this misconception that. Wait, you mean like us straight people also get
2: AIDS?
1: Yeah, and they asked but that think question. about that.
2: But, but it's it's like you're talking about at least like being complacent in that sense of privilege and not taking the appropriate measures because it's so uncomfortable to wear a mask. Yeah, I, Because I, it's so uncomfortable to wear a condom, it feels better.
1: World. And you know what? And I have to throw this out there because now you got me all riled up about privilege <laughs> when it comes to this. Uh, most recently, speaking of COVID-19, uh, the governors of Florida and Arizona blamed Latino migrant workers because, I, I kid you not, Ugh. they blame them for the spike in the um, the cases because, according to Governor Ducey, uh, because obviously they have to go to work and they do tend to live in denser, close proximities. Yes, Hispanics are known for maybe having a, one too many people in the apartment in the house. Mm-hmm.
0: One too so, many ten.
1: There was a gen- <laughs> there was a generalized attack on a community, blaming them for something. When here we are on the flip side, we got people wigging out, spitting on people. You know, mm-hmm. not wanting to wear a mask. So it's just it goes back to it. It goes back to that same level of that emotion.
0: oppression piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, I did. Um, I know you mentioned something, Louise, about Stonewall, and mm-hmm. I did one want, wanted to give you that space to help us understand the significance of that. Because I think I feel like that one is pretty regularly thrown out there as this like significant time in history for the community. So, what
1: is Stonewall? So, the reason that Stonewall has really kind of made a comeback, even with the whole Black Lives Matter movement, is that yes. the impression was very similar in the sense that this was not like some isolated event that happened in 1973, you know, 1969. The police, for a while, Uh, there were some crazy laws that were being implemented. More specifically, around 1950, the President of the United States, and I totally spaced, but he had made it essentially a crime in a lot of ways um, to be uh, gay in the United States. Not not without directly saying, okay, if you're gay, it's a crime, but like finding all these loopholes, all these laws to oppress, all these ways to prevent... um, you know, congregation of these homosexuals, and he did classify homosexuals as a national security threat, um, which is fact. So that was, like, I believe that was a, a national. A
2: national.
1: The national security threats. So because of that, the police brutality really ensued. So the police were going to clubs, they were burning them down, they were beating up gay men, they were, you know roughing up women. And even though that community was a little bit more tight-knit, they were taking pictures of people, committing espionage. You know, if I didn't like you, Dulce, and I knew you were dating a girl, I'd snap a photo and send it Mm -hmm. to your homophobic boss, and you'd be fired, and I'd be happy. And there was nothing you could do about that and get you shipped off to a psych ward, like you said. So there was just so much going on. And even the transgender community back then They've always kind of bared the highest brunt of violence.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, would you would um, it be fair to say to to this day still?
1: Yeah. Oh, oh, by far, yes. They might not account for the highest number of hate crimes because they're a, a a smaller group of oppressed folks, but by far, if we, if we look at the results of the hate crimes and the actions taken towards them, by far have the highest uh, murder
2: the population is smaller than the general population so the amount of people that are getting killed from that population is like 80 90 100 percent versus 10 5 of the quote-unquote general population
1: so yeah i mean and i think that the stonewall riots they lasted a good amount of time and it really was just an uprising and saying that they're not going to tolerate the abuse anymore because it was getting to the point mm-hmm. that it was by far, police brutality was unnecessary. You're not accomplishing anything. Where if you just go to a bar and round everybody up, it's very similar to the things that were happening in Arizona for a, a point in time with like SB 1070. Even though it was a short, mm-hmm. even though it was a short-lived bill, like what business do you have just showing up into like a biker club? Like, or, and I know that can be offensive, but you know, <laughs> just like you know, like yeah, but, I mean, is. but you know, like what that means to us. Like, you know, if you go mm-hmm. to a bar, like a, a a Mexican equivalent of, like, a country bar, you know what kind of clientele you're running into. So you're there just to arrest people based on discrimination and make their lives miserable. And, mm-hmm. and you know what I mean? That's And, and be okay with it, because this man is still not mm-hmm. in jail. And it was very similar, like, to try to put it into context, you know what I mean? Like, when people have to start...
2: He even ran for office.
1: Oh, yeah. But, yeah, so you kind of get it. Like, so if that happened... They revolted. Um, You know, you hear a lot of, um, you know, a lot of people get upset because they they feel like everyone tries to make things about race. But ultimately, a lot of the black and brown oppressed communities of New York really were the ones to take a big stand. I'm not discrediting a lot of, you know, the non um people of color activists but I mean they played a big role I mean I'm sure you hear about the first they always say the first person to throw you know a brick at the police with a transgender woman and she was a woman of color it was yeah it was a a woman of color right and the you know the communities of color in New York they've always had it rough so I mean it's not to downplay what happens to our white brothers and sisters but like Goose has said, if it's happening to them and they are at a level of privilege, imagine how someone's going to treat somebody who is, for lack of better words, already a couple notches matches down in the totem pole. So, I mean, yeah. so it, it was really profound. I think it was one of the first big um kind of uprisings along that civil rights movement. So it, it, it's. It's important to remember that because I think that even when we look at 1969, that's not that long ago. That's, not, that's yeah. not that long ago, and I think, and I know, I know, you know, we we gotta chat later, but I think that's I think that's where the frustration comes with like the older generation with the younger generation because it's not that long ago that life was not easy for a lot of people.
0: Right. Yeah. This was literally a couple of years before my dad was born, so even like within my that's a lifetime. People had no rights, were discriminated against. So I think it, we get pretty complacent. And I think that's why we want to continue to have these conversations and bring light to the fact that, yes, like we said at the beginning of this episode, we are making progress and we're celebrating those steps and they matter. However, there is still a lot of work to be done uh-huh. here. They can
1: be and it's important.
0: Yes. Oh, yes. That is a huge one, too. Thank you for saying that. They can be undone depending on sure. whose office, were, No,
1: but Things, what things were looking really good in the 70s. When you look at the 70s, as far as social change and just social norms, we went completely backwards in the 80s compared to where we were going. So, I mean, and of course, it's my mm-hmm. opinion. It does not reflect, you know, the opinions of all members of my community or any community, but you would just see how the shifts can rapidly change. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah,
0: I think it was around the 1990s too when they did the, um for the military, right? But the fact that it, that was implemented in the 1990s and then it was repealed and then it was Obama's administration in like 2011 right. where they finally right. got rid of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. That tells you right there that, that back and forth and that flip-flop that you're talking about, Luis, of how things get put into place, but then...
1: People from a different perspective
0: mm-hmm. come yes. into power and they take him
1: away. And I think a lot of that has to do with people not being willing to just have a therapeutic confrontation and hash stuff out. You know what I mean? Like it forces people to be one way or the other or for some people to show their true colors, you know? Um, right. rather, yeah.
2: yeah. Rather than moving forward.
0: Yeah, I always explain things in therapy and I always bring up my little metaphors, but I I explain things to client and to, we come to dynamics, we come to interactions with our, our, our experiences, our values, our upbringing, our cultures, everything plays a role into the person that I am today. So I come at this conversation at this dynamic, wearing my goggles, looking at life through that lens of what I've been told, what I've seen growing up the values in my culture, in my community, what my parents have told me, what I've been exposed to. And I bring that to the table. And when I meet, for example, with you, Luis, or, uh, or Dulce, and you guys come from a very different upbringing uh, and perspective and values and everything that I just talked about, your goggles look very different than mine, right? So for you, your experiences, you, what you've been taught, what you've been told, what you've seen, what you've witnessed, it's true. And it's at the core of who you are. And, and it feels real and it is real for you. And for me, what I've been taught and what I've been shown and what I've experienced, it's real for myself, right? And so we are now at this table and we both have very different perspectives and very different views on things. And that's where the, the that black and white happens in that spectrum of like, no, it's my way or the highway, and you're wrong and I'm right.
2: But right? I think that's where the growth perspective takes right. in. But when then- you're when you look at a six, it just reminds me of this meme. Of course, per usual, I bring the memes into the table, but like the six you look at at the 6 and it oh, looks like it can a 9, be a nine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and i look at it and it's a 6 and i'm like no it's a freaking 6 and you're like no it's a freaking 9 mm-hmm. but the growth perspe- the growth perspective is not no it's a freaking 6 it's a it's a 6 for me right now mm-hmm. but i can probably but help me learn understand why it's a, nine. To, it's a 9 yeah i don't understand it yet mm-hmm. but i can understand it as i move along yeah. and i think that's like where government needs to get I think that's where everything needs to get because we're not saying this is right this is wrong Mm -hmm. this is like how are we being fair and fair doesn't mean right or wrong it just means in the middle yeah it's a very uncomfortable place because it doesn't really feel a square right but 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 it leaves that room for
0: if somebody comes into power and office with that set of goggles then they change things to fit their narrative in their views right? right versus like acknowledging well let me see why why did you put this into place and help me understand and, and you know what's and the, the, big at the end of the day, of this whole deal money at the end of the day yes it is politics but i think louise brought up a really good point earlier about the <laughs> micro level and why these conversations are important right within your own little small circles absolutely
2: mm-hmm. so i i really want to um this is a long episode and i'm okay with it but we're going to have a second episode so we can further talk about this yes. because we had an agenda for like six different areas of conversation and we literally got to two
0: today. <laughs> yes. And, and Luis so- was
2: very gracious and kind Patience. and nice <laughs> to
0: be willing to join us for a 2.0 part of this conversation. So, Luis, Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, but and and it is the nature of the beast. When we're talking about things that are uncomfortable and that are very, very complex, it is
2: going to take more than that. Mm-hmm. So if we need two, two episodes for this, let's go ahead and digest it together. But I think like right now, um, it's important that we define what LGBTQ means, have these tough the conversations. History. We really wanted to dive in into LGBTQ in the Latino community, which I think it's going to be a huge pill to swallow, which I'm okay with. And I'm super excited about it. I don't know about Julie's, but I am. Um, and we really want to talk about gender bread. So the piece that you're
0: talking about is something that is pretty readily available to anyone with internet access, you can literally go on Google and type gender bread person. And you can pull up this picture awesome. this graphic picture it, yeah. thing that can help you understand in pretty lame terms so louise do you want to walk us really quick through the gender person to wrap up this episode and um like Dulta said next time we're going to get a
1: little more in depth into your own experiences so yeah just kind of just breaking it down we obviously had a, a good conversation about understanding different ways to identify and find your own space so the gender person to put it simply i mean we're not Clearly, we're not trying to simplify a very complex, you know, issue, right. but just to kind of make it simple, that it really just states that we are kind of we identify in our gender identity, uh, which is we could be perceived as our wom our womanness, our manness. Uh, there's gender mm-hmm. expression, which is are we perceived as more feminine versus more masculine. Then there's our biological sex, um, which again, kind of, how do we, how do we rate ourselves? And a rate the bad way to put that, but just how, do, how do we view ourselves with, again, our femaleness, our maleness, with regards to biological sex, so meaning the, the sex that we were born into, um, and then, kind of, and okay. then, the next kind of figuring out, okay, amongst all those identities, expression, and Acceptance of our biological sex. Um, what, what, and who are we attracted to? So, what being like, what aspects of sexuality, you know, in the actual biological sexuality of attraction, you know, do we like? Do we like women? Do we like females? Do we like uh, feminine qualities in our females? When it comes to men, do we like men? Do we like males? Do we like certain? Masculinity aspects of that man, and then um, romantically, because you know, sex people don't like to hear it, but there can be sex without a full romantic attraction. Um,
0: Say that again,
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah, you know, like it, 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 yes, there is a level of connection, but you know, sometimes sex can be sex, and I know that's a hard pill for people to swallow, um, but. Again, who are we romantically attracted to? Do you find yourself uh, more attract more attracted romantically to a male, a female, or a feminine male? Or, mm-hmm. or sorry, I got to pull it backwards. You know, men, males, masculinity; uh, women, females, femininity. So, right. um, for example, oh, if I were to rate myself, I, oh, I, defi- I, defi- defi- yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely see myself. As more on the man side of gender identity, I I it, and this is and this is a spectrum. Yes,
2: Let's yes, really highlight yes. that this is a spectrum for everybody, yes. even the heterosexual um, this is who I am macho person. Correct. Yeah.
0: But I like that. And so you
1: identify, so your expression is more my gender identity is would be fully male. I do identify as cisgender, meaning that I'm Content with my at birth um, gender, bi- gender and biological sex, which also breaks brings, brings, brings me down to biological sex. I do see myself as male, um, and I do. Um, and that you got me blushing, but <laughs> I do. I am sexually attracted to men, and I like having sex with men as a man.
0: That Ooh, well being a comfortable boy so your expression is also more on the male spectrum yes, the way you dress and show up yeah. and so physically.
1: i have nothing against you know ever you know wearing anything that would be perceived as feminine but that's just not me that's not my style right. so that that taps into my gender expression uh, right. but even even that's not 100 percent masculine per society's view of things because you will, you know, maybe catch me being a little flamboyant from time to time, you know, speaking in, you know, cult- on the setting. <laughs> cultural lingo, you know, you might hear a girl here and there. And that's okay. Like that's me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So so you could see like i even though like it seems like I'm checking all the boring boxes, there's still a level of fluidity, you know what I mean? Because right. the way the way that we've been chatting today, somebody might be like, oh that guy's a total homo and to other members of the community, they might be like, "Oh, oh, you're so conservative and boring. Like you're no fun." Oh, well,
2: can I? Can I do it? Can I do it too? Yeah, I think more. I'm completely out of the box.
0: I think, yeah, I think I want it. I mean, mine. Let's get mine out of the way. I think mine's gonna be pretty boring. I identify as female. I express your womanness is very
2: much in the woman in, side, in the,
0: in the very, very far end of the spectrum of. Being woman. a female woman I express Gender, myself pretty so girly Feminine, this bitch is yeah. so feminine I am feminine She can wake up early just to do her makeup every day Makeup, hair, and
2: heels.
0: hair. Oh, yes. It's so My nice. sex, I am Comfortable and okay And embrace what I was assigned at birth And I am attracted to The opposite sex Which would be male What about romantically? Uh, romantically.
2: Are you attracted to me romantically? No, I am not, Dulce <laughs> Thanks for asking <laughs>
0: But I am, yeah. I am. I've always, historically, up until today, June twenty fourth, (laughs) twenty twenty, I have yet to be attracted to a female.
2: Come on now, or anybody
0: outside of the very standard male.
1: And that's okay. And that's okay. Like I think, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Like I, I used to like catch myself lying in the past about being attracted to females just to kind of like fit in, and now I look back, I'm like, oh, you're a damn liar. Like (laughs) you. girl never, who you're, who you're yeah, lying to here yeah but like, you've never genuinely been attracted I may what I was attracted to was the romantic aspect because I felt that was the only way to have a relationship you know sadly at that point in time but thankfully I was empathetic enough to know that I wasn't doing anybody justice by prolonging a romantic relationship when I had I no I like a
2: sore thumb right now that is so cool. And
0: thank you for being so vulnerable and putting yourself out there and, and, and saying this out loud, like we said, for the record. Um, I mean, because that that that's huge. And as we are hopefully going to get deeper into that next episode, why that dynamic of like having to feel like you had to be attracted to um a female, female, right? So, hopefully, like we said, we're, we're gonna get a little more in depth into that next episode when we go deeper into specifically the Latino community and the LGBTQ community from that lens. But, Dulce, before we wrap up, I do want to hear your gender bread person. I'm having a
2: little <laughs> panic attack. Some, I mean, um, if you don't have to. I think my gender identity is right in the middle of madness and womanness. Okay. I am very comfortable in dressing up in a suit and having my head shaved <laughs> and also wearing beautiful heels and a beautiful dress and mm-hmm. taking three hours to get ready. In um, my gender expression. Well, actually, I think that's my gender expression, what I just mentioned. In right. my gender identity, I think more, I'm more, a little bit more into the madness piece where I, huh. I, I would have thought you were more of the females. No, side. I I feel like um in my gender identity even though I feel very comfortable being the feminist like yeah I can fill the space I'm very comfortable in taking control and filling up that space of the macho like I am the assertive and this is again going back into stereotypes right but like being the one that kind of sets the rules in a relationship and kind of having that assertiveness and having the strong voice And wearing, I love
1: wearing jeans. you are going to love the next conversation that we have because I have a a little study about why we, why we like who we like and why we have certain personality traits in relationships.
0: So if you're listening to this one, that's that's a cliffhanger though. Like Luis is going to tell us why you're attracted to the people that you are so come back
2: um anatomical sex i am very comfortable with having all of my pieces to the puzzle where they're at and how i was birthed um but i have no issue wearing pieces that bring other sides of me into my anatomy okay sexually attracted i'm like 75 25 75 male to males and 25 to females okay and it can change mm-hmm. if the female really brings a lot to the table it can definitely be to a 45 55 right. but the majority has always been masculine mm-hmm. um male attraction and romantically i think i'm right in the middle
1: okay mm-hmm. you're able to right make a deep
0: connection with either mm-hmm. sex with gender identity sex, yeah okay. yeah
2: and, and and i think the romantic piece has to do a lot with what we uh conceive what we not conceive but what we take into consideration as male or female roles like I've met females that really fulfilled a male role and I've male I've met males that really fulfilled a female role Mm -hmm. and 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 then the romantic attraction yeah doesn't necessarily align with Mm -hmm. the expectation I guess I'm not really like oh I really like early men Mm, or I'm really romantically attracted to manly girls no mm-hmm. i think there's a yeah. romantic connection to half
0: no wonder then when louise was talking about fluidity you were like the lives were going <laughs> up
2: yeah <laughs> i was like oh shit <laughs> i'm stuck <laughs> um but yeah. th- but then it goes back to that pansexual shit where i not shit i'm just saying shit because there's alcohol in my system but that pansexual piece that we were talking about like it's not necessarily like Oh, this girl looks like a guy, or this guy looks like a girl, or this person I cannot really define. I'm attracted to it. Doesn't matter. No, like I'm. I'm very clear on what female attraction means and what male attraction means, and that's mm-hmm. it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Remember? So we'll we'll break it down on the next episode. Guys. But I,
0: I'm really now, I'm really like, oh, I want to hear it already about what you have to say about that. Good, because then that
2: means if you're feeling it, our listeners are feeling hopefully, it. Hopefully, hopefully, you super guys are excited for are our next as, episode. As intrigued
0: yeah. as me, as like I'm sure our out. episode
2: is now like an hour and a half long, <laughs> probably. Really? But, yeah. um, But thank you,
0: Louise, for, like I said, being willing to be vulnerable vulnerable and uncomfortable with us during this conversation. You brought a lot of great insight, which I'm so happy that you were able to join us because you brought a whole different perspective that how we could have approached this subject in a whole different light. But I think having you in this space provided a whole lot of insight that we probably couldn't without you so
2: absolutely i'm so grateful to have you here and the insight that you're bringing is at another level it's not even like i'm a gay man and this is what i've experienced it's like knowledge to a right. different level i'm so grateful
1: yeah well it's so just it's important to remember that regardless of orientation we are all sexual and emotional beings so
0: oh i like that I like that. Our brain is
2: not that simple.
0: Yeah, I think I Mm want to close that one on that note just to leave our listeners simmering on that until next episode when we dive deep into attraction and where that comes from and what it means and why we do the things that we do. So um, anything else, Luis, on your end that you wanted to leave us with? Any more wisdom?
1: No, just continue bunkering down no pun intended and living in this quarantine
0: <laughs> oh yes quarantine is real wash your hands people mm-hmm. wear a mask <laughs> and be kind to others at the end of the day this isn't about Sprinkles you some fucking kindness yes. yay
2: all right well i think we're good for today uh follow us on ig facebook everything in their mama, twitter no we don't have twitter huh? we don't have twitter no.
0: um Thank you so much. If you stuck through the end of this, we appreciate. We again acknowledge that this episodes can be pretty lengthy. However, these are important conversations that don't deserve- run for eight miles
2: as you listen to this. <laughs> that deserve <clears throat>
0: the time. Thank you, Louise, for joining us, and I'm excited Thank to have you. you next week.
1: All right, we'll take care, ladies. We'll talk to you soon. Thank awesome. You. Bye. Thanks, everyone.
2: Bye, bye. Thank you for listening. We hope this was the start of the conversation for you and know that you're not alone in whatever journey you're walking. We know these discussions might bring up some challenging emotions or thoughts. So please remember that although this is a safe space to start your healing process, it is not meant as a replacement for therapy. So please reach out and seek professional help. You're not alone. Don't be scared to sit with your elephant on the couch. Until next time.